Yeah, so I'm Jackie and uh, it's my honour to be here and thank you so much Karen and Andrew for having me. Such a joy. I was feeling such an anointing when Andrew was um, speaking earlier. Who could feel that? There was so much power and authority in those words. And, you know, who here knows that we do have an adversary? Yeah? Yeah? But the devil is a liar. The God is so great and so awesome and so powerful. And he's able to save, heal and deliver. But I feel like in these times, in these times that we're in at the moment, we need to be vigilant about what the enemy is trying to do. We need to take stock and to take a look because we do have an adversary, but God has opened an effective door for us. And even though we may have an adversity, he's opened a a fervent and effective door. And in this time, we're going to walk through that door and we're going to take hold of the promise of of God, that for which he paid for us on the cross of Calvary. And I feel like today, God is going to shake us up a little bit. He's going to like prime the pump because God wants to move in such a profound way in our lives. The God of peace will crush Satan to a pulp beneath our feet, right? Today, I believe that God is going to give us nation delivering mantles. The way the Lord speaks to me is he'll give me a little slither of something and I'll open it up and I'll stare at it and stare at it and I'll say, open it up more, open it, show me more, reveal to me more. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And even that open door with the prophetic You know, we get to walk through the door to open, to see a little glimpse of the Father's heart. Now, even for people, yesterday there was a woman and uh, her and her mother were walking by and I just um, gave them a compliment, but they just kept walking. And then I was with um, Dean, your brother, Lee, and we were standing there and I'm like, they started walking up the street. I'm like, stuff this, I'm going to run after them. And so... All of a sudden, Lee and I like running up the street and, you know, we got stopped by a couple of people on the way wanting to share testimonies. We're like, stop, we're on a mission. And so we're running. And by the time we get to these um, two ladies who are like puffing and then looking at us like, what do you want? And I had nothing. I had literally nothing. I just felt compelled that God wanted to speak to them, right? And I had nothing for them, but I'm standing there and I'm opening my mouth and I'm thinking, Lord, fill my mouth with your words. I think sometimes we we look, we look at ourselves and we see inadequacy and we see what we're not as opposed to seeing who God is. And in that moment, I, I could have looked at my own belly button and thought, what do I have to give? But I went, no, God, what do you want to say to her? What do you want to say? She is your daughter. She is your daughter and you want to speak to her. It's just the same as that you wanted to speak to me. And so I opened my mouth and all of a sudden I saw her teaching. And I said, you're a teacher. God's given you a great ability to speak and to teach and to shift an atmosphere. You are very articulate. And I just started giving her this download like a scroll that the Lord was showing me for her. And she said, how do you know that? I am a teacher. I do teach. And then after I was done with that, I looked at her and, she, and I'm just, I was in awe of God. She was in awe of God. I was in awe of God. And you know what she said? She said, what do you have for my mother? What do you have for my mother? And I looked at her and instantly I saw a green thumb. 
And I said to her, do you do any gardening? And the mum was just like, oh, yes. And, and honestly, they, they were ready to run away from us. But in that moment, God wanted to pierce their hearts. And I feel like God wants to use us to pierce people's hearts, to break the shame of people's life, the suffering. You know, all the things that people are going through in this world, it's because they're so deceived and they need the spirit of truth. Where is the spirit of truth? Inside of you. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You're smeared with the anointing and you know all things. You have the knower inside of you. God is so, so gracious. And so, yeah, I just believe God is going to manifest breakthrough today in this place. And he's going to talk, us, talk to us about a nation delivering mantle and manifesting destiny. Because he wants our destiny more than what we actually wanted. It's like Jeremiah 1, like before you were even formed in your mother's womb, like before you were even born, I knew you and I formed you and I created you to be a prophet to the nations. Before you were even in your mother's womb, God had a purpose and a plan and a destiny in you for you, prepared for you, predestined for you. And he inserted you as a seed in your mother's womb. And when you were birthed through your mother, God said, you're mine. I've called you, you're mine. You're predestined. You have a plan and a purpose and a destiny. My divine nature is upon you. I call you to be my son or my daughter, my beloved. And even the calling of Jeremiah, it was to use his words to, to uproot, to tear down and to build up. And I feel like as the bride of Christ, and as the body, God is remantling us or recommissioning us or reawakening us to the fact that we actually has a, have a voice and a tongue and a mouth that can shift and change not only an atmosphere, but a nation. That we are people that are called to move our nation to our knees to repent, not in a bad way, but to have a change of mind, a change of attitude to all of a sudden shift our mind and our heart back to the heart of the King. Repent means to turn your mind, to change your mind. Turn back to first love. Church, turn back to first love. You know, he can't use us if we're lukewarm. He'd say, he said, I'd rather you be hot or be cold. I'll spew you out of my mouth. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. You know, every single person, we overcome obstacles and challenges. We do. I do. Every day, we do. It doesn't mean that we're sinning or I'm sinning per se, but I may have habits or things that may perhaps be something that, you know, needs to be removed from my life. It may be like pride. It may even be an idol like social media. God's like, will you lay these things down? Will you give me your time? Will you give me your attention? Will you give me your affection? Will you make me number one? You know, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Catherine Coleman, and I love that woman. She's so courageous. But she would lay everything down. She was so anointed by God. But she was so anointed because she paid a price. 
And and everyone sees the anointing and the glory, but are we prepared to pay the price? You know, what are we doing in the secret place? What are we doing when no one's around? And we know Benny Hinn as well. And this man of God has spent so much time seeking God and the Holy Spirit that he manifests miracles. I want to manifest miracles. I want a dead razor anointing. Who wants a dead razor anointing? Come on. How many dead people have you prayed for? <laughs> you know, we want an anointing for that, but I believe that God also, he, he, we gain muscles when we step out in faith and we, we get to build upon those muscles. So, you know, God is, um, he's moving in our nation and sometimes we see what's going on in the media or going on in politics. But I'm actually inspired by God to speak more profoundly about his good news than what I've ever been in my whole life. I actually believe that God will change our nation, will shift our nation back to the heart of Jesus, to the heart of the King. You know, in the book of Judges, I've been reading Judges <laughs> and people might think, oh my goodness, condemnation. No, no, no. God appointed prophets in the book of Judges to deliver Israel when Israel was in a time of idolatry. When Israel had shrunk back and worshipped Baals and idols. And I feel like our generation has different types of Baals and idols. We have Baals that deceive us. We go into like a time vortex and we come out on the other end and we wondered why we'd procrastinated and wasted our time on doing things that were just, you know, just wasting time for the sake of wasting time. I'm so guilty of it. I'm only speaking out of this because it's what the Lord is speaking to me about. You know, will you come back to first love? Will you give me all of your attention? I had this uh, thought the other day, you know, in eternity, and I could see, um, like I had this vision of uh, the gold pathways in heaven. And, and I was like, Lord, show me what it will be if, you know, if I went to heaven now. And I saw myself, I was like, what if, like even a thousand years time when I'm in heaven, you know, would I have such a hunger and a burning for souls? Would I want to see you know, more souls saved when I'm in heaven or will, do, can I have that hunger now? And I saw it was like I was in heaven and I was beating the gold pavement saying, I wish I had more souls. I wish I brought my, more souls into the kingdom. And I want to have that hunger now more than what I would have it in eternity. Now give me that hunger for souls now. I feel like some of us lately, we've felt like Gideon in the wine press. You know, we're treading the wheat. And we're just treading the wheat and treading the wheat. And we're like, where are you, God, in my process? Where are the promises that you've spoken over me? And Gideon, he was actually in the wine press treading wheat because the Midianites were stealing everything that the Israelites had. They were stealing all their produce. They were stealing all their cattle. They were stealing all their food and their sustenance. And so because of this, he's like treading wheat in the wine press. He's like hiding out in the wine press. I feel like for some of you, you're going to work like day in, day out. and Like, where are you, God? Where are the promises? You know, what happened to the things that you spoke to me about? You know, what happened to the nations that I'm burning for? God, I'm burning. 
You know, yesterday we were speaking of um, a, a Japanese lady that, that I led to the Lord. And, and, and I, I want Asia and I want these nations. And the Lord is saying, Jackie, I've put the nation of Japan within her. And you ask of me and I'll give you the nations. You lead this uh, lady to the Lord, this Japanese lady, she'll go to Japan and she will lead people to the Lord. And so God puts nations inside of people's hearts. And by saving a soul, we can also win a nation. Because when I witnessed to her and then discipled her, I then discipled her to go and make disciples. And she went back to Japan and went and witnessed and led people to the Lord. And so God had put Japan in my heart. And because I led her to Japan, she went to Japan and to see she saved souls injured Japan. So it's amazing that, that God can use us in such a profound way, even in our workplace. You know, I used to work um, in Australian media and I used to work for, um, you know, big movie promotions and, you know, I used to work for like EMI Music and Warner Music and Marvel Comics and all these guys. But, you know, it was such a, a barren world. But I went in there with the heart of the king and I went in there every day. I would, I would seek the Lord and I would get before the king and I'd say, what do you want to say to these people? Because it's a dark place. And, you know, we could be in the slum of India or we can be in a boardroom filled with CEOs and directors and people. And, and they need Jesus just as much as the person sitting in the gutter. And so I remember being in these boardroom situations and all of a sudden it's like God wants to speak to these people. That's a crusade. Going to Africa is a crusade. Sitting in a boardroom is a crusade. And so Gideon's treading the wine in the wine press. And um, the Israelites, they were malnourished at that point because the Midianites had been stealing everything. And, um, and he was in there because the enemy couldn't see him. And, you know, the thing is, like, all of a sudden, God gave the word to Gideon saying, I'm going to deliver Israel. Like, I'm going to give your enemy into your hands. I'm going to wipe out your enemy. But Gideon, he didn't necessarily believe God. You know, God had called him, but he didn't necessarily believe God. And I feel like it's the hour and the time to repent of our unbelief. And I don't mean like repenting of sin and all these things. Yes, that's good. But I mean, repenting and saying, God, I believe that you're going to use me to shake our nation. God, I believe that you're going to use me to lead two million souls to Jesus. God, I believe you for millions of dollars for millions of souls. God, I believe you for visas. I believe you for certain things. I believe that you're going to take the media realm, you know, the, the realm of business. All of these realms that I know that, you know, Dean's been speaking about as well, like repenting and turning and change, changing our mind to have the mind of Christ, to have the mind of our Father, to know that we can have a national influence, to know that we can shift and change culture, that we can take the airwaves. Who here has a heart for media? Come on. You know, if we're not believing God in an area, that means our soul is in a, like a region of captivity or a stronghold. And, and we need to actually renounce that thing. And we need to come back and say, God, remind me what you said. You know, 
when Paul gave an exhortation to Timothy, he said, follow the prophecies once made about you or you shipwreck your faith. So we need to follow the word of the Lord and the prophecies that have been spoken over us and take hold of them and to wield them like a sword and say, God, you said, God, you said you would deliver our nation. God, you said that you would turn Melbourne back to Jesus. God, you said that you will use Hope City to bring revival throughout Australia. God, you said that the sick and the lame, the dead will be raised in this place. God, you said that when people come here, well, they will fall on their faces and counter the, the King of glory. God, you said, remind him of what he spoke to you and come in alignment and come in agreement because you know his word over you is yes and amen. Whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you desire, believe that you'll receive it and you will have it. He puts that burning desire inside of you because he longs to see it come into completion. He watches over the very word that's been spoken over you to perform it, yeah? All right. You know, the Lord said um, to Gideon, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the land of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? You know, the Lord was saying to Gideon, You go in this might, you go in the strength of yours. You know, God put Gideon, Gideon on like a glove, but the truth and the reality is that Gideon had a choice. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you go in your strength. Yeah. And when he went out to decree, you know, the, to take the actual uh, Midianites out when they were in the valley, as many as locusts, you know, he said the sword of Lord and the sword of Gideon. And so you have the sword of the Lord, but it's your sword that God has given you. And so the Lord is saying, go in your strength. Go, go in your strength because I anoint you when you use your strength, even if you have little strength, go in the strength that you actually have and I'll anoint you to do what you're called to do. What I commission you to do. You know, it says, uh, this is in Judges 6 verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Isn't that crazy? God was saying to him, you, you shall defeat your enemy as one man. You will drive out those principalities as one man. You will see the enemy cast out of the future generations. You will see the enemy removed from your family's life. You will see that spirit of cancer renounced and draw a line in the sand in your generation and that you will have health and prosperity in the favor of God for the generations to come. That light in the sand is the blood of Jesus. We're tearing down the altars and the bars. <laughs> you know, there was uh, 32,000 people in the army. Yeah, in Gideon's army, there was 32,000 people. But the Lord said to Gideon, you've got far too many. You need to cut down the amount because otherwise you'll take the glory. Yeah? He culled down the number of the Israelites, the army of the Israelites, to wipe out the enemy so that there was a small amount of people in their army so God would get all of the glory. 
this just completely wrecks me. Because sometimes we think, oh, we need this, this and this. We need all of these things to see our destiny fulfilled. But God just asked for our very yes. They had 32,000. God said, send back everyone that is fearful. 20,000 went back. The ones that are fearful can't move forward. Fear is a lie. It's false evidence appearing real. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, right? And so he says this in um, Judges 7, verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. 22,000 left. Who wants to be in the army that forges forward? Who wants to be in the army that is relentless? Who wants to be in the army that says, I'm fearless, even in the face of adversity, I'm going to believe God? Who wants to be in the army that all of a sudden sees God move in such a profound way that you know, 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 that is God? Yeah, I want to be in that army. Thank you, Jesus. And you know what? The Lord even still said to Gideon, there's still too many in the army. We're going to reduce the army even more. And so the Lord said, go out. And they went out and they went to the water. And, you know, they they were drinking the water. And the ones that like went down to drink the water and they were the ones that scooped up the water with their hands. And the ones that scooped up their water with their hands, God said, choose those ones. The other ones go home. Now, why was that? The ones that scooped up the water had their eye on the enemy while they were drinking the water. The ones that had their eye on the enemy, God chose. We need to have our eye on what the enemy's doing. Not to magnify him, but to be vigilant in knowing and seeing what our enemy is doing, keeping our eye on the enemy and believing God and taking hold of the promises and drinking in and we're thirsty. I'm thirsty for you, God, but I have my eye on the devil. I'm thirsty to see you move, God, but I'm going to watch what my, this enemy is doing, right? And so everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, anyone who gets down on his knees to drink. So 300 men lapped and the Lord saved them and delivered the Midianites into their hands. And you know what? Even in the midst of this and God reduced the army down to 300 and Gideon was still fearful. But you know what the Lord did? The Lord took Gideon. He said, if you're still fearful, I'm going to take you into the camp of the enemy. If you're still fearful, I'm going to take you into the very place. And the Midianites were like literally thousands, like a swarm of locusts. And sometimes we feel like our enemy is like a swarm of locusts. 
You know, even lately I'm feeling like, you know, I'm agitated. Why am I agitated? Why am I anxious? You know, the enemy, it's just sometimes he feels like a swarm of locusts, like you're looking around and like, you know that he's there, but he's a liar. And so even the Lord said, I'm going to take you down. And so there he is listening and leaning into what the enemy was saying. And even the enemy was saying, I had a dream. I had a dream that Gideon is going to wipe us out. That's what the dream was. The enemy is petrified that you're going to wipe him out. The enemy is petrified that you're going to take your authority and take your stand. The enemy is shaking in his boots that you will rise up and decree salvation over your family. The enemy is petrified that you all of a sudden are going to take a stand and receive that promotion that God has for you. The enemy is petrified that you're going to take hold of your destiny in such a profound way. He is shaking in his boots. You know why? Because you're anointed, appointed, called, predestined, set apart. There's an Esther 414 mantle on you for such a time as this. Thank you, Jesus. Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. I love that. So, you know, the Lord is so supernatural. He actually used Gideon. He took the army and there were only 300 of them and they went out and they just even used trumpets to blast trumpets to see the devil defeated. Sometimes with us, it's the most futile thing that God uses to see things uh, transformed in our lives. But it's our yes and it's our submitting to him, to his voice and to what he's saying to us. You know, I haven't always been like this. You know, I love Jesus. I constantly lay things down for him. God saved me from suicide 12 years ago. Every day I thank him that I have air in my lungs. I have Jesus Christ in my veins. And I'm alive to tell the story that I'm alive. I love Jesus so much. You know, unfortunately, I just lost my father. I hate the devil. I hate cancer. The devil's a liar. And, um, you know, I buried my father and I was crying out to God to see him delivered. Every third word out of my dad's mouth was, thank you, God, you saved me. I watched my dad, his body was decaying, but every third thing out of his mouth was, thank you, God, you saved me. And I said, God, I said, Dad, God saved me too. And my dad would say, thank you, you saved Jackie. So my beautiful dad, we had the most amazing time together in his last days. You know, the day after I buried him, I went and I had this uh, encounter. I don't know if you've heard of Dan Duval, but I had this meeting with Dan Duval. And we went in through the gateway through Jesus. Jesus took me um, to heaven and I had an encounter with my father. And my father was there. He was in a distance back and he was in the great cloud of witnesses. And my dad just started coming closer and closer and I saw his face shining in the glory. And I saw his teeth literally as white as snow and his face just like beaming in the glory. And he was saying, Jackie, there's, there's a greater glory. There's a greater glory. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to the glory that will be revealed through us. And, and my father was such a faithful man of God. 
And right until his very last breath, and my dad loved Jesus so much, but it wasn't always that way. He was an atheist when I was growing up, but he was very sociable. But I praise God that God saved him. And he was such a gift. My dad is such a gift. And, and, and my dad, he actually, when he was there, one of the things that he said to me, he looked at me and he said, Jackie, he said, there's no mockery in heaven. My father said to me, look around, look at the glory. There's no mockery in heaven. And then I saw Jesus appear and I saw it was, he was bent over and I saw the, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, and they were whipping and whipping into the back of Jesus. And I saw these fleshly wounds rip open and the blood come out of his back and flesh being ripped open. And Jesus said, this is what I did to the spirit of mockery. And he was showing me, and my dad's saying, there's no mockery in heaven. And Jesus is saying, this is what I did to the spirit of mockery. The Lord was showing me that as we live on this earth, you know, we have this opportunity to express who Jesus Christ is to a broken, a dying, and a hurting, and a desperate world. But when we get to heaven, we will not be mocked. This is the only time that we get to stand there before people and to have the ear of kings and to confess the name of Jesus boldly and securely knowing that we are daughters and sons of the one true living God. These are the days that we have been designed for. God could have chosen us for any other time on the time continuum, but He set us apart. He put us on the map for such a time as this. And we know we have a God outside of time, but He put us on this time for now, for here, because He wants to see our nation delivered. Because He wants our nation to turn back to the heart of the King. You know, Deborah had a nation-delivering mantle. She went to Barak, to the head of the army, to the general. She had favor with the general. She went to Barak and she said, you're going to wipe out the devil. You're going to wipe out your adversity. You're going to wipe out the devil. And so Deborah, God used Deborah. And before this, Deborah was a counselor. She was counseling the people. But she was a, a woman that God mantled and God has mantled you. We need to pick up our mantles. We need to say, God, I take hold of it. You've called me to speak peace and truth. You've called me. You've set me apart to deliver your people. God is using you in the most profound ways, but he needs our yes. He needs our yes. It says this in Isaiah 49 too. It says, He has made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. You know, he hides us in his shaft. But when we open our mouth, our words pierce hearts, atmospheres, environments. God uses us in the most profound ways. You know, I always thought like, you know, who am I for God to use me? I used to be completely meek. And, and I was so meek. I had so much shame on me. But God spoke to me and said, Jackie, for your shame, I'll give you a double portion of honor. 
And so he called me out of this, this history of debauchery and he called me out of promiscuity and he called me out of, I was like the woman at the well, seeking love, desperate for love, desperate for affection. But when God called me and he told me who I am, just like the woman at the well who ran out and all of a sudden I was charged. I was so charged. I was witnessing to people before I even knew what evangelism was. I would go and buy entire bouquets of flowers and walk around Centennial Park in Sydney and hand out the flowers. And I didn't even know how to tell someone like, Jesus loves you, but I just needed them to know that they were loved. And so I'd go and hand out these, these flowers and, you know, love. It's like we don't, if we don't have love, we're just a clanging symbol. We need love. And so just like the woman at the well who went out and said, let me tell you about a man that told me everything that I ever did. Let me tell you about a man that told me everything that I ever did. Let me tell you about this man that so changed my life that I can't shut up. I won't. Even if I'm mocked. You know mockery? People mock the king. Maybe they've seen a Christian that has been hypocritical or professing the gospel and then living like hell. I meet so many people that are unsaved. They say, I don't believe in religion or I've been to church, but I've been hurt. And I say, I'm so sorry. I apologize to so many people. But people need to know him and we need to open our mouths to speak, to use the word of the Lord. You know, one word can pierce someone's heart and ignite them and turn their heart to their king. You can literally save someone from Sheol, from the pit of hell and pull them into the reality of eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. That person that is sitting there, you know, at, at your office, in your workplace, that you're sitting next to day in, day out, is hungering for love. Is sitting there, and maybe they go home at the end of the day, and they think, who am I? What is the purpose of my life? By you speaking the very word of the Lord, that you can call their life into divine alignment. Do you know who God has created you to be? And you know what? Even people that are in sin, when I was in sin, I just needed someone to say, hey, you're too great to be behaving that way. You're too awesome to be behaving that way. If you knew who God's called you to be, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing those things. You know, I don't know if you know Jason Valentin, but he says, a person won't sin unless they're believing a lie about God or believing a lie about themselves. And there's too many people believing lies. There's regions of captivity that we need to just pull people out of and say, come, come to the King. Today's the day of salvation. Come to the King. Amen.